All right. Hey, why don't you get your Bible? And if you'll turn with me, let me see where I want you to turn. We're going to use a lot of scripture today. I'll tell you what, if you'll just go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and if you'll hold there, uh, we're going to do a lot of uh, talking before we get there. And so I'm going to go ahead and pray because my introduction is kind of long, but the, the message is kind of short. If you can believe that, nobody believes that. Um, everybody believes, yeah, your introduction is long, so is your message. Uh, but I, I, um, I want to pray. And uh, we've been in a series of messages that we call Mind Control. And it's been a burden of mine, and I don't have time to walk through all the messages over the last few weeks. And I know last weekend we had a guest, Stephen Gow from CFNI. I hope you were here. If you didn't, I hope you listened to the message. But I want to get back on this, and this will be the final installment, I guess, in, in this series of messages on mind control. But it's such a, a burden in a heart, and I can't share everything that I've already shared. So I just want to send you back to the app or YouTube because we talked about the devil in your head and the anxiety antidote and the depression deception and we've talked about all those and come at them from a little bit different angle. Um, and, uh, and so today, I'm, I'm actually going to talk about the fight for mental health. The fight for mental health. And, uh, and I want to give you a spiritual perspective. And then I want to give you the most applicable thing that I can give you that will change your life. Um, because it's changed mine. And, uh, and so I've kind of put these together as I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me. So let me just pray for us. Holy Spirit, we don't want to miss you in this moment. And we know you're in this room and you are moving and you've probably already done incredible things that, that we'll hear testimony of in the days ahead. Um, but God, I think right now, God, you, you want to deliver people. And not only that, you want to strengthen people and you want to encourage people. And God, you are so concerned about our mental health. You are so concerned about the health of our thoughts and our mind. And so Holy Spirit, right now, you speak and help us to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You know, um, I was thinking about it. I think this is where I want to start is um, as I was praying and, and uh, I had a lot that I wanted to put in this message. In fact, there's a message I couldn't put in this message. So I wrote it in a blog that'll be out this week. So if you follow me on social media or you read my blog, um, then I'm, there's some content that I couldn't get in a message that's going to be on that that's really helpful. But I was trying to think, God, how, how, do, you, how do you want me to, you know, like to me, it's, the only thing that's important is the word of the Lord. Not, I mean, the word of Marty doesn't do much. <laughs> the word of the Lord can do a whole lot. But I, I want you to understand when we're talking about, I think sometimes we, um, unfortunately, we separate mental health as, as kind of, something a lot of times that we don't think the Bible speaks to or maybe even that God's concerned about. And it's not that we don't think God is concerned about us. I think hopefully, hopefully somewhere in your mind or heart, you believe that God is concerned about you because he is. But I think sometimes I know as, as of late or for, for many years, there wasn't really the talk of being healthy. It's so funny because we would talk about how God wants to heal our bodies and we would preach healing, but not talk about, and we would preach health, but we wouldn't talk about mental health. And we would quote, beloved, oh, I, I wish above all that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And, and if you think about that, prosper and be in health as your soul. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. My life cannot be healthier than my mind. My life cannot be healthier than my mind. And, and, and so when you think about it, like 
we kind of put mental health over here. Maybe we didn't talk about it, but the Bible speaks to it. And I don't know if you know this, but God is incredibly motivated to heal your mind. Um, Romans 12, verse 2, right? Romans 12, 2 says, says this. It says, and don't be conformed. Everybody knows this one, right? Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we have quoted this, and we have made it spiritual law, and some of us are under the condemnation today of like, my mind is not transformed, and God's going to judge me, and I don't know where the accent came from, but anyways. <laughs> I ain't watching too many movies, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of like, why does Jesus always have a British accent? Everybody wonder about that in some of those Jesus movies? Y'all notice his accent? I watched one where it's like, why is Jesus British? Like, I thought he was Jewish. Anyways, never mind. So the point is, like, be, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so God is sitting here, and, and unfortunately, we've made this like some, some goal to be achieved, not understanding. It's like God's saying, you need to do this, when really God's saying, I'll help you do this. I think that's where we missed it. Like, you need to change your mind. I want to, God, don't be mad. He's not mad. God wants you to change your mind because look at this. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing your mind. Why? Then you'll be able to, keyword, prove what is the good, pleasing, and acceptable will of God. Then you'll be able to prove the will of God. The renewed mind proves the will of God. That word prove, if you, if you kind of want a whole picture of it, that you could say it this way, that word prove means, number one, to examine. So in other words, for me to examine, to understand the will of God, I need a renewed mind. So God has a will for your life that is good, that is pleasing and perfect. Do you see? Because that's categorically describing his will. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect, right? So his will is going to be good for you. It's actually going to please you. And it's actually going to be perfect for you. Your will is not always good for you. How many have got your way and it was a hot mess? Your will is not always good for you. How many got your will and then you still weren't happy? Your good will is not always pleasing. And your, good, your will is not always perfect. But God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. So I need a renewed mind because it proves I really can't understand the will of God without a renewed mind, right? So it, it proves it. Second thing, it approves it. In other words, a renewed mind confirms to me that is the will of God. So to, 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 to be able to understand it, I need a renewed mind. To be able to discern it, I need a renewed mind. And then it says to prove, another word would be to display. So to experience, to see it. So here's, here's what Paul's telling us. When I have a renewed mind, I display the will of God. So God is like honestly highly invested in the transforming of your mind. Why? Because his will is at stake. His will comes through your life. When you pray, what do you pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done. His will comes through his people. And without a renewed mind, I don't know what it is. Without a renewed mind, I can't tell what it is. And without a renewed mind, I can't display what it is. Now, why is that important to you? Well, that's important to you because there's some things about God's will that's good for you. 
Like God's will for you is love and peace and joy and patience and right. God's will for you is that you would prosper and be in health. But you can't have listen, you can't have a sound sound life with a sick mind. Let me, let me give you another another scripture. Romans 8, 6. This is another one that I don't know if you raise in church. Sometimes we feel a little condemnation on this one. But the truth is, it shouldn't be condemning at all. Um, it's an explanation. Romans 8, verse 6 is Paul again to the church of Rome. And he's saying, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Right? Now, a lot of us are like, oh, this is convicting because God's saying our mind is death. No, it's not condemnation. It's an explanation. Right? It's an explanation. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit, look at this, is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is, look at this, hostile or set against God. And it doesn't submit to God's law because it's not able to or nor can it. So, so look at this. So, so the mind that's not renewed ends in death. The mind that is renewed Life and peace. Now we're talking or have been talking about mental health issues. Life and peace <laughs> is mental health. Do you see that? So how do I get to life and peace? My mind's got to be changed. It's got to be transformed. Because a carnal mind is actually set against what God's will is for my life. A carnal mind is actually set against God's provision for your life. A carnal mind is set against the health that God has for your life. Um, there are three, three, categorically in the world today, there are three influences of thought. That, that, these are all in the Bible, by the way. So the Bible calls them leaven. Leaven is another word for influence. And so the Bible talks about the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod, and the leaven of the kingdom. So if you understand bread, you understand leaven. Leaven, you work into the dough, it makes it rise, right? It just takes a little bit of leaven, Jesus says, to leaven the whole lump of dough. In other words, these influential things work into all of your life, right? So what is, <laughs> what is the leaven of the Pharisees? It's a religious mindset. And a religious mindset exalts behavior confirmation over heart transformation. A religious mindset is, says, look good on the outside so everybody thinks you're good on the inside. And a religious mindset, by the way, in the Bible, will crucify a Savior. And a religious mindset won't even recognize Jesus when he's standing right in front of you. Because a religious mindset is narcissistic. Because it is focused on me and what I've earned and how good I am. Right? Then there's, then there's the leaven of Herod. That's the political system. And a political system exalts Civil opinion over the Bible or the Word of God. Political correctness over kingdom correctness. Now, y'all know I'm biting my tongue because I have so I could have so much fun with this one right now. 
Because political correctness is proof that there's a spirit of stupid running in our world. Did I say that out loud? Y'all edit that. And, it, and it's interesting to me that on the altar of political, like if you think about it, look at how the enemy has worked, has used a political spirit. Um, he has so used the political spirit to silence the truth because now we're, as pastors, we're so worried about being canceled or offending someone that we won't even tell people the truth anymore. And then, and then there's, I got to go on, but I could, yeah, could that be a whole series? But anyways, and then there's the leaven of the kingdom. And the leaven of the kingdom exalts God's will above everything else. The first two, the political spirit, if you will, or the political mindset and the religious mindset are actually carnal thinking. They are both set against God. Um, and here's what you need to understand. I wish, I wish that when Satan came to us, he would wear, you know, like a, a red leotard and little horns and a pitchfork and say, aha, I am Satan. And here are my thoughts that I want you to think. But that's not how he comes to us. You know how Satan comes to us? As an angel of light. And so when you think about I'm going to show you this verse because it's in the Bible and it's a good one and it will explain the point. So a lot of times the way Satan gets us to think is not with satanic thinking, it's with carnal thinking. Because you don't need to think like the devil. You don't have to have satanic thinking. This is what we think. We think there's like you know, demonized thinking and carnal thinking and the way God thinks. No, 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 no. There's carnal thinking the way God thinks. Satan always hangs out in the carnal thinking. Because what did Paul say? Carnal thinking is set against the will of God. What does Satan want you to be in your life? He doesn't want you to receive anything from God. He wants you to be, he doesn't want you to walk in purpose. He doesn't want you to prosper. He doesn't want you to be in health. He doesn't want it. So was it? He doesn't need demonic thinking. He just needs carnal thinking. Look at this verse. In Matthew chapter 16, in Matthew chapter 16, <laughs> Jesus is explaining that he's going to die on the cross. And then Peter responds with, oh, no, you're not. Nay, nay, buckaroo. Not you, Lord. Now, why was Peter, why was Peter concerned about that? Well, carnal thinking, Right? Because if Jesus dies, well, how's Peter going to get his promotion? Because he wants Jesus to take over the political. So we're actually watching a political mindset. Because Peter's mind was, you're the Lord, so you're going to free Israel and reign over Israel. And I'm going to reign beside you. It's a political mindset. Watch what Jesus says, verse 23, Matthew 16. And he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. It's a bad day. When Jesus calls you the devil, you know you have messed up when Jesus calls you the devil. He said, Get behind me, Satan. Look at this. You're, now, keyword, you're a hindrance to me. Watch this. For you're not setting your mind on things of God, 
but the things of man. Look at what he said. Because the things of man, so it's carnal. So what Jesus actually says is, because your thinking is carnal, you're hindering the will of God. Now, who was the culprit? Get behind me. How was Satan working? With carnal thinking. Why? Because carnal thinking is set against the will of God. What does a renewed mind do? It proves, displays the will of God. Um, Satan comes as an angel of light. So when he comes to help us think, he has to disguise his thoughts so that they look good, virtuous, valuable to us. Because if Satan came with just really, really outlandish thoughts, they'd be pretty easy to identify. But, but what he actually does is he masquerades his thoughts in a way that it looks virtuous to us. L let me give you some examples, and, and then I'll, I'll move on. So here is Peter. We'll just work with this one. And wouldn't we say it would be wisdom for our friend Jesus to not die? If, I mean, if we didn't have the Bible and we didn't understand everything that we knew, we were a disciple in that day. We're hanging out with Jesus. We're one of the 12. We believe he's the Lord and Messiah. And our understanding is the Lord and Messiah is going to reign over the people of Israel and free them from, you know, in this case, it would be the political system of Rome, right? So that's our understanding. And then the man who is here to free us and liberates us says, well, you know, I'm probably going to die. Wisdom would say, no, 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 no. You can't die. Because if you die, how does all this stuff happen? Wouldn't that seem wise? Like it wasn't a demonic fault. It wasn't, you're not the Messiah and you're not going to rule and reign. It was like, no, 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 wait. Wisdom tells me if you die, you can't reign. Carnal wisdom. In the body of Christ, I think there's a lot of um, undetected bitterness in the body of Christ, but it masquerades as, as um, wisdom. I think there's, um, I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of offense in the body of Christ, but it's masquerading as a spirit of righteousness. And I know it's in there because I'm on, I'm on social media. And there are things that Christians post that I'm like, do you even pray? Like, what, what were you thinking? But they would say, no, it's the wisdom because they'll put a Bible verse with it. This seems virtuous. I'm right. And I think there's, there's a lot of bitterness sometimes. I, honestly, I think there's a lot of bitterness. Oh, let me say it this way. There's a, not, a, there's a lot of envy parading as discernment. Because somebody else gets blessed. And then I'm like, yeah, but you know, you know, I know that they're not doing right. And that really didn't come from the Lord. That's probably the enemy just rewarding them for 
you know, we don't have a problem in the church when someone seeks first the kingdom of God. We just have a problem when he adds things to them that he didn't add to us. <laughs> then we get mad. <laughs> we get mad when God doesn't judge other people the way we're judging them. And we call it wisdom and discernment and righteousness. How, how are y'all doing? I put that on social media the other day. It was a funny thought that came to me. I'm like, you know, sometimes people get mad when God isn't judging you the way um, that they're judging you, but that's okay. Your blessing is an opportunity for their growth. But here's what the enemy does. Think about it. He parades these toxic things as virtuous, as valuable, as wisdom. And this is where we need the renewed mind. And we need God to renew our mind so that we can walk in not only the, the, the will of God. I mean, it is the will of God, but also to walk with the heart of God. Not only for ourselves, but, but for other people. Um, I mean, when, when you think about, because, you know, we're thinking about mental issues and things. Like, there's some things the Bible says that doesn't make sense. Count it all joy. <laughs> really, James? That's what you got? That's, what, that's, that's your word, James? Count it all joy when you fall into all these problems, right? Paul would say this to the Philippians who were under persecution. Their, their, their property's being seized. He's like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul, what you smoking? <laughs> Have you been to Colorado? And then to the Philippians who were struggling financially and, again, property being seized, he's like, you ought to give an offering to help the church of Corinth. None of that. Like, this is what, this is what Paul would, would tell the Corinthians. Like, the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God, they, they never really, they're never congruent. They don't make sense to each other. And I think like a lot of times, and this is what I put in the blog, but I talked about some mental practices based on, um, you know, when Paul says, pray without, rejoice uh, always, pray without ceasing and everything, give thanks. It's three of the greatest practices of mental and emotional health that you can implement into your life. And he's writing it to then the Thessalonians who were under similar persecution of the church of Philippi. And the point is, is that the wisdom of God, when it pertains to our minds and to where our thinking is, is so adverse to culture and it's so adverse to what is normal. But yet the Holy Spirit comes and what you need to understand is God wants us to have healthy minds. And the reason he wants us to have healthy minds is because, number one, if, if I don't have a healthy mind, I cannot have a healthy life. Number two, if I don't have a healthy mind, I, I cannot demonstrate the kingdom of God, which is the purpose for which he has made us, all of us. Like your purpose, if you're sitting here, I don't know what my purpose is. Let me help you. Because it's the thing that Jesus told you to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. From Adam to Jesus to us, 
There's a reason why he put sons and daughters on the planet, and it was to demonstrate and display, to bring his kingdom. But you have to have a renewed mind to bring. Listen, you can't bring a healthy kingdom with a sick mind. And so God is actually vested in your, your mental health and your emotional health. Now, here's where I want to get to today. So, so that, that was all the introduction to say, this is why God wants us mentally and emotionally healthy, because that's how his kingdom comes. That's how we prove his will. That's how we know his will. That's how we receive his grace many times and his provision in our lives is by knowing the, the, the will of God. But, but we have to have a renewed mind in order to do that. And life and peace come through a renewed mind. And so, right. But here's why I need you to understand. Because this is one of the things the Lord taught me is that, you know, what's interesting is, is sometimes when we get a medical diagnosis, such as maybe a certain heart condition or something's going on with our cardiovascular system or, you know, or maybe we have an injury and we go to physical therapy. Isn't it interesting that when we have a health situation, sometimes we adjust our exercise and our diet in order to overcome the health issue or to get healthy again, Right? Why would it be any different with a sick mind? So you may want to write this down because this could be helpful. This isn't a point, but, but, but it'd be worth writing down. Only you are responsible for your thoughts. There is no one else given responsibility for what goes on in your head. You are. And, and you've heard me tell my story and I've talked about, I've walked through depression, walked through anxiety, like I've walked through everything, Jesus, but I've walked through that stuff and I have great counselors and I'm not against medications, but here's what I know. A counselor can ask really good questions and make you think medication can do what medication does, but you are given the responsibility to, to take control of what you think. It is not your counselor's responsibility to control what you think. And if you're talking about depression or you're talking about anxiety or talking about suicidal ideation, all of that is going to be at some point filtered through the mind. We talked about it. It could come from my body being my brain, the chemicals in my brain, et cetera. It, it could be from, from uh, my soul, which is my mind. And it could be from something spiritual. Like those would all be causes of depression or, or anxiety. Those, those things, all body, soul, and spirit, all those things matter. But at some point, all of those things are going to culminate in a way of thinking and thoughts, which becomes your responsibility because only you can control what you think. No one else can. And if you don't control your thinking, your thinking will control you. And, and so I just thought about this. I thought, you know, if I am dealing with mental issues, like I'm not saying I shouldn't see a counselor or a therapist. I'm not saying that I shouldn't take a medication. If it's done, you know, if it's prescribed by the right person and it's done the right way, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is those things typically can treat symptoms. I need to figure out what the solution is. And the solution is that the, the, the reality is that we can be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And believe it or not, so if you study neuroscience, if you study, and I know most of you do, you're like, this morning, you know, my husband and I were sitting around having some coffee and we were just talking about the neuroscience. 
Um, okay, Karen, good. So anyways, um, but if you study neuroscience, so there's something called neuro, neuroplasticity, neuro, which is basically just changing your brain. So there's a mind and a brain. They're not always the same. In fact, the mind is what programs the brain. So the brain is an operating system and the mind downloads and, and it can get updates and it can get upgrades, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. But our mind has to be upgraded. So what? So that it can update our brain. Are you with me? It takes um, about 21 days to weaken a way of thinking. It takes 63 days for neuroplasticity to take place, meaning the changing, actually reshaping the brain by using the mind to program the brain. I don't have time to walk through it all. That That's neuroscience. It all came from the Bible. Like you can, one of my favorite authors on this is Dr. Caroline Leaf. You know, your mental flaws, clean up your mental mess. You know, there's several books that she's written um, that might be worthy if you, if you want more on this topic. But I can tell you the process of changing your brain, neuroplasticity, is actually, it's going to come from the Bible. So if you're there at 2 Corinthians 10, that was all the introduction. We'll be out of here by, um, by New Year's. Second Corinthians, no, this won't take long. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. We all know this, but right here, the Word of God tells us how to change our brain. It's crazy. It's right here. Like if you, I'm just saving you time. You can go read the books and then you can come back to the Bible. That's what I did. I'm like, oh, this is in the Bible. So I just, you know, I'm just like the Cliff Notes version. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What's stronghold? Way of thinking. Contrary to God's way of thinking. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. All right. For the weapons of warfare are not mighty, the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing exalts itself against Okay, I know you've heard this verse. Let me give you the four points, which are four C words. They will not take long. Are you ready? Um, I'm going to tell you what they are. So capture, compare, cast, um, and conceptualize. And I'm, I'm a kinesthetic learner, so I think capture, compare, cast, conceptualize. Now, I explain that, all right? By the way, this is something, I'm, I didn't come up with this. This is the way that I've lived for years. This, this was key in me changing a lot of my thinking, and I still do this today. So I ask God, like, what is the most valuable tool I can give you so applicable that if you will start this today, in two months, you will be different because it's the Word of God and science backs it up. The more good, good science always backs up the Word of God. If we give scientists enough time, they're going to prove every... I read an article this week, um, and it was from CNN... I'll just leave that there. It was from CNN, and the article was about how science now confirms that, that a fetus is actually a human long before 21 or 22 or 23 weeks. In fact, 90% of scientists actually believe life begins at the point of conception. And I was like, Revival! 
And then I went on to talk about how it was Trump's fault. I'm sorry. No, I did not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Anyways, um, <laughs> don't send an email. Um, but but this, this, is the, this is the science. So we think about capture, compare, cast, conceptualize. All right, let me, let me help with this. Number one, capture. So here's what he said. You have to take every thought captive. So here's where you start. All right, if you want to change your brain, take every thought captive. Notice the word every. So there's another $2 word if you want it, metacognition. It just means this. Think about what you think about. Like you have to take an inventory of your thoughts and you have to figure out what you're thinking. And until you really understand what you're thinking, you can't change what you're thinking. And so you have to pay attention to what you're thinking and you have to take every thought. Look at this. It says every thought captive. You have to take every thought captive. You can't afford to have runaway thoughts. You can't afford to have free thoughts. Because your brain has been programmed. It's been programmed by the world. It's been programmed by religion. It's been programmed by circumstance and situations. It's been programmed by trauma. Your brain has been programmed. And so you got to stop and think about, come on, where's vanilla? Stop, collaborate, and listen to yourself. (laughs) And listen to what you're thinking, because listen, here's what I do know. If you don't capture your thoughts, they will capture you. Because if you think about Adam and Eve, he took them captive with a thought. No, God didn't really say, that's not what God said. That's not really true. He just put a thought in their mind. Israel, he kept out of the promised land for a whole generation for 40 years with a thought. We think we're grasshoppers. Right? And grasshopper thinking will keep you out of the promised land. And so you have to stop and think about what you're thinking about and say, where did that thought, what is that? Where did that come from? You have to capture every thought. Think about every thought. By the way, if you're wondering how to get back to a thought, emotions tell you about how you think. Because you will emotionally respond to how you think. Let me give you an example. Every anxious thought. Remember how David said, Lord, help me with all my anxious thoughts? Every anxious thought is rooted in fear. Every anxious thought is rooted in fear. If you are feeling anxious, it is rooted in some type of thinking that's fearful. A less than thinking, a not enough thinking, uh, it's something fearful. Just like every peaceful thought is rooted in love. And so I can actually look at my emotions and work backwards and say, man, I'm feeling really upset. Wonder what I'm thinking. (laughs) But I have to capture my thoughts. Here's the thing. Once I capture them, I can compare So when I capture my thoughts, I'm probably going to come up with some that I'm like, I don't know, is this really congruent with the truth of God's word? Um, Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate in it 
day and night, so be careful to do all that's observed in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. Success is your responsibility, not God's. Prosperity is your responsibility, not God's. And what is it tied to? Meditating what? On the Word of God. So I have to actually know. Listen, you're... <laughs> Your mind can only be renewed to the extent that you actually know truth. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The truth you don't know is killing you. The carnal mind is death. The truth you don't know is killing you because you can only renew your mind to the extent that you know truth. So I capture the thought and then I have to go back to the word of God and say, I'm not sure that looks like Jesus. Right? So I capture it and I compare it. And then when I compare it, then I can cast it. I don't think that's God. Once you question it, you weaken it. That's how thinking works. Once you, 21 days of questioning thinking will weaken it. Once you start, I don't think that's what God says. I don't think that's the heart of God for my life. Like, I got to capture it, and then I can compare it, and then I say, no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't God. So then I cast it. I identify. That's not God right there. That's carnal. That may be me. That may be the devil. I don't know. It doesn't matter. That may be political thinking. That may be religious thinking, but it's not God's thinking. When I question it, we so I capture, compare, cast, conceptualize. So what does conceptualize mean? Remember how the leaven of the kingdom and leaven has to be worked into your life? So conceptualize is when I cast and say that isn't God, I got to put something back in there. Right? So I need truth to put into place. I need Godly wisdom to put in place of carnal wisdom, the, 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 the thinking that comes by the Spirit to put in place. So, so what, I, what I do is I say, okay, that's not God, so now i got to put something. So i got to find the truth, and I always pick the truth that works against the lie. And then I work it into my life. Now, how to work in my life? Meditate, write, visualize. Right? I conceptualize and make it a reality to me. Like this is the word of God. So so let's let me let me walk you through how you could go do this. All right. So I'll tell you what I do, and you can do it or or you cannot, but I think it'd be really good if you did. All right. So so we have to what we say, we have to capture, compare, and cast and conceptualize. Right? Okay. So one of mine when I started this years ago, um, one, one, here, let me back up. Here's what, here's what every counselor, psychologist, psychiatrist, here's what they're going to tell you. You have um, these things that are called, I'm going to call them limbic lies. And limbic is your limbic system. So that's where when you get triggered, your limbic system engages. That's usually your fight, flight, you know, freeze, that kind of stuff, right? It, they, some call it a lizard brain because it's actually, your amygdala is about the size of a lizard brain. That's about all they have. So, okay, that's when you get triggered. If you've heard the word trigger, that means a trigger is some type of stimuli that takes you back to a trauma or something like that, right? Ties you to it. So, if you have PTSD, those type of things, it's a set of triggers and it will take you right back, okay? Um, and it will engage the amygdala, which is that part of the brain. So, the limbic system then gets engaged, okay? So some counselors will call them an inner judge or an inner critic. 
So what does all that point to? It points to this. Stuck on replay on your playlist inside your head are some messages that are just always there. But when you get triggered, the volume goes up. And categorically, because I know me and I know you and I deal with people and I know people and I love people and I've listened to people categorically, they're going to sound like things like you're not good enough. No one likes you. You're always going to be rejected. There's something wrong with you. Like they're those type of statements. And it may sound like your voice. Or it may sound like a, an uncle, an aunt, a school teacher, a parent, a grandparent. I don't know. But it's in there and it's just stuck on replay. And I'm going to tell you, there are three to five of them that you hear with great frequency. And when you get triggered, all of a sudden it gets really loud. You're not good enough. I told you, you would never be good enough. So, so, so let me walk you through one of mine, which is that one. And so I'll show you how this works. So when, when I started down this process, I thought, okay, I'm going to find at least my top three, if not my top five. So I'm going to pay attention to every thought. And all of a sudden, I captured this thought that said, you're not good enough. And it, it, had it said it mostly the same way, but you know, it would bend it to whatever the circumstance was. You're not good enough. I'm, saying, I'm not good enough. That's, I, I captured this thought. I'm pretty sure that's not God. So I started comparing, right? I'm pretty sure that's not God. So, so then I said, okay, God, I want to cast this thought, but I need something else. So I've captured it. I've compared it. That's not God. And, and, and I want to cast it. So what can I compare it to? Romans 8, 37. In all these things, you are more than a conqueror in Christ's love. So I'm not good enough, but I, I, I want to be good enough. Okay. Here's what God's word says in all things. Now, how many other things are there after you have all of them? Right? All. All is all. All ever going to be is all. In all these things, look at this. You're more than a conqueror would be enough, but he said, I'm more than enough because of Christ's love. Now, this is not based on my performance. This is based on grace. So I don't have to perform good enough to be enough. I'm enough because he loves me and I'm enough in all things. In fact, I'm more than enough because he loves me in all things. Because he loves me, I'm more than enough in all things. So now I have captured it. I have compared it and now I'm going to cast that. No, no, that's not God. But now I need to conceptualize that I am more than enough. Romans 8, 37 and all these things. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me, right? I have, so here's what I do. I wrote it down. I meditate on what it meant to be more than enough. But this is the secret sauce. Every morning when my alarm goes off, after I have rebuked it sternly, <laughs> my eyes wake up. I've got about five of these. And I say, today, in all things, I'm going to be more than enough because God loves me. Before I get out of bed... I got about five of them. Hey, today, in every situation, there will not be a situation that comes where I'm not enough. And it's not because of me. It's because he's so gracious. Right? And listen, you know, I got a great question. The question was, do you have declarations you speak over your life? I have declarations I speak to me. 
you want to change your brain, stop listening to you and start talking to you. Yeah. Like sometimes you got to stop listening and start talking. Like if I will listen, I keep saying, you just listen until you can capture it. But if I will listen, you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. No, 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 no. Shut up, me. It's not a problem to talk to yourself. It's not a problem to argue with yourself. The only problem is, is when you don't listen to yourself. Because sometimes you got to listen to yourself. You got to say, hey, shut up. No, I am in everything more than a conqueror. And I'm telling you right now, if you will listen and capture every thought, you're going to find three to five limbic lies. And if you will go to God's truth for an offsetting truth to replace that lie with, you can cast it aside. Right? You can compare it, then you can cast it, and then you take the truth of God's word. And every morning before your feet hit the ground, before you get on Instagram, right? <laughs> Please, before you get on Instagram, because you didn't know how unhappy you were until you found out how happy everybody else was before you get on Instagram. You, you say to yourself, hey, I am more than enough in every situation. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am worthy of love. Whatever it is, there's a promise from God's word. So you got to capture it, compare it, cast it, conceptualize it. Why don't you stand with me? Holy Spirit, thank you so much that, that we can be renewed in the spirit of our minds like you are here today. You are here today. I just want to end with prayer. And part of the prayer is I really want it. I want two things. I really want to pray for just because I believe God can just zap you and heal your brain. I do I, because I've seen it. And I want to pray for that. But I also want to speak to like if God doesn't zap you and he doesn't heal your brain, that's okay. Because I gave you this message that is from him that tells you how to heal your brain. Does that make sense? Like there is the zap and I always want us to have faith for the zap. But if, if that zap isn't there, it's okay because there's still the word of God in the process and the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't change. And why sometimes there's a zap? Why? I don't know. I don't know why that is. And so I just want to pray two, two ways today. First of all, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would help you find the messages that are stuck on replay that are toxic and give you truth for them. And that's going to be your homework. And then I want to pray too that just whether it's in a moment or over the next few months that God heals your brain and God renews your mind. And so, Lord, I thank you for the people in this room. And I thank you, God, because you have a good plan. Oh, hear that. He has a good plan. A plan of hope and a future, not of destruction. But he has a good plan. A good plan. And to get to his good plan, we need God's mind. And so, Lord, I just pray in this moment, God, as we surrender and we just take a moment and pause, I just pray for those that are in this room, God, that today I feel like you were going to bring peace to minds where there's anxiety, where there's depression where there's fear or panic. God, where there's weariness, chaos, 
feel like there's someone here, there's a lady, and you're like, I just can't even get my mind to stop. Like I was up all night, it's spinning out in a hundred different directions. And it, what that is, is it's triggered and it's spinning up. I totally get that. I know what that's like. But the word of God, Psalm 46 says, six says, be still and know that I am God. And today I just pray, God, the reality of that verse over that person that they would right now supernaturally be able to steal and calm their mind. And God, know that you are with them in this moment. And so, God, I pray today, just as we did during worship, there are people that need to be healed today in their minds. God, I just pray deliverance, Lord, healing, healing from anxiety, from PTSD. God, I thank you for the testimonies. Now three people healed of PTSD, but God, I know there are more. I just pray for healing. God, I pray for healing, God, where there's depression or suicidal ideation. Lord, first of all, there is no condemnation. Just like there's no condemnation for having a body that's not healthy, there's no condemnation for having a mind that's not healthy. And so, Lord, I just break condemnation off of people. Lord, so they would be free in your grace to receive from you. And Lord, I just pray right now, if you need healing in your mind, maybe, you know, you put your hands over your heart, you can touch your head. I just want to pray for you. I feel the Holy Spirit in this moment. I just want to pray for you. So God, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing, God, to minds and to brains. Rewiring, renewing, delivering in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray point out, Holy Spirit, all the toxic thoughts, those limbic lies, that inner judge, those voices that are so condescending and condemning and offer no hope. God, identify those so that we can go to work, renewing our minds. And Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. And today, if you need a relationship with Jesus, I think there's enough of the presence of God in here that you know if you need a relationship with Jesus. If you know if there's things going on in your life that don't need to be there, if you feel distant from the Lord, we want to pray with you. But if you need healing, you need any, any healing or prayer for anything, we want you to come. We want to pray with you. Love you so much. And we say a big God bless you to everybody. We love you. Go get your kids. Let us pray for you if you need it. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.